TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will, um, with minimal damage that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands and um, and apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and bake. Come on. Where's Toby? So I'm practicing, you know, social distancing and I have a few tips for everybody, you know, you know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote, stink, stank, stunk. It's Saturday suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Good morning and welcome in. Saturday suckage, and I emphasize the Saturday part of that so we can differentiate the days. We are pretty well all suckage all the time, but it's Saturday, people, and we welcome you in. We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios. Hi, Mark. Bro, it's also May. I mean, we have to distinguish months all of a sudden. It's going to take a couple of days. I mean, it's enough that, that it's hard to know the date and the day of the week, and now uh-huh. we have to struggle over and haggle over for, I would imagine, for about a week or so, what month we're actually in, because it takes a while no matter what. But uh, in the times in which we now exist, hey, it's worth reminding everybody, it is May. What day in May it is, I don't know. Uh, May 2nd. May is 2nd. Because we just, yeah, which is... Um... I'm not really good at remembering these things. That's why we have studs producing us. So he reminds me because I'm old. I forget stuff. But mm-hmm. it's May 2nd. And um, I remember this after the millennium that was April. Didn't that seem like a long, long month? 
Oh, oh my, my God. God. It was. Oh, are you doing okay, uh, buddy? You know, your daughter and I, we talk occasionally to make sure you're okay. We have, you know, wellness checks on Stevie Sunshine out there in the really? suburbs. Really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't, know, okay? I didn't know that. You're you're letting a confidence slip. I was not aware that there were <laughs> there were people speaking behind my back. Some of No, I mean, I can just tell the diva. Former the diva's family little, members. Yeah, the, the, diva's, the diva's worried about you, man, you know? Yeah, she she always is. They, they had a tough week. They Diva and Brandon lost their last grandparent, and they oh, I'm were, sorry. Yeah, they were sitting shiva. It was a really it was a really hard thing. He was a wonderful man. He he's the kind of guy, and we know these people in life, and it's it it hurts to lose anyone. But he he was lost to congestive heart failure and edema. But he was the kind of guy, everyone was welcome, under his tent. That's just the way he was. Except anyone who cut him off in traffic. Then you were in trouble. <laughs> we all have that's, our breaking points. Yes. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. So, moving right along, it is a new month, and the Bulls have a new general manager as part of their new regime. So, before we hear from him, Mark, what are your thoughts on the hire, the way they've, they, the way they've gone from Arturis Karnaschovas to now Mark Eversley and proceeding a pace, as it were, as basketball pretty much does nothing. What do you think? It all looks great on paper, man, and I am trying to differentiate <laughs> my my happiness. Am I saying that in relation to what the previous regime was, or am I saying it on the merits alone of Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley? I don't know at this point, but everything that they have said, the way they talk, and a lot of it is obviously private interview and then public interview because they know that they are talking to the fans, but it all sounds rather competent to me. My favorite part about, well, we're going to play Mark Eversley. How much are we going to play of it? Because I could tell you my favorite part of it right now, but if you're going to play the entire thing, then I will just let the, the people listen. No, we're not going to play the entire thing. What I thought was there were a couple things that jumped out at me especially against the fact that we're all watching The Last Dance and how riveting that is. And we're talking about, despite the fact that it, it looks nothing like the same franchise, it's the same franchise. So I thought, let's hear from Mark Eversley, and then we can come back to this discussion of uh, compare and contrast. Excellent. Simply put, it was critical. Um, I'm still extremely close to a lot of the guys at Nike today. Um, you know, really, that really taught me, you know, the true value of connecting the dots is, is what we used to say is, um, you know, relationships move the needle in this business, and it really starts at the grassroots. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to work at Nike at a time when, you know, LeBron James and players like that were coming up through the system. And, you know, it really taught me the value of relationships. You know, and again, it, it taught me the value of a brand, really. Um, you know, Nike's one of the most powerful brands in the world. And, uh, you know, to, to Arturis's story from, you know, last Saturday night, you know, back then the Bulls were one of the strongest brands in the NBA. And it's my hope that I can take some of the lessons that I've learned at Nike and implement them here with Chicago as a goal to get the Chicago Bulls back to relevancy and get that brand back to where it's cool again and kids want to be part of it. Um, you know, that's one of my goals for sure. Our next question comes from Mike McGraw with the Daily Herald here in Chicago. Yeah, I was, uh, Mark, I wanted, this is Mike McGraw, Daily Herald. Uh, wanted to, um, just want to ask you, you talked about, you know, establishing a winning culture, how important that is. How do you, what do you think is the process of going about that? Obviously, starting to win is uh, is the one way to do it, but 
with a, a really young team that does, that's uh, really low on veterans and low in winning experience like the Bulls have right now? How do you go about building a winning culture? Sure. Um, you know, one of my mottos is players first. Um, I think you have to create a players first mentality. Um, and I agree with you. You know, we were the second youngest team in the NBA last year. And I really believe it starts with a foundation of player development. Uh, through player development, you know, that's really when we can see what kind of players we have on our roster. Uh, you know, I was surprised to find that, you know, there was one player development coach on the staff. Um, you know, I was, as I was doing my research for this job, um, you know, that's a hell of a job for one person to, to take on. You know, it's going to be one of my um, tenants to try and figure out our player development system. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of key areas within it, you know, skill development, physical development, mental enhancement. But with that, you need to hire people to help support that. So we're going to do, you know, a pretty diligent job in terms of looking for, you know, the proper staff to bring in here to work with our young guys. But player development is going to be a tremendous focus for this organization moving forward. It's Mark Eversley, your new GM. Okay, Mark, go right ahead. That's the part right there, right at the end. To me, that's the money quote. I was surprised to find out there was only one player development coach on the staff as I was doing my research for this job. I. I'm imagining this this interview going on and whomever is asking the question or explaining the organization, he's saying, well, here's what we have. We have this is our coach and we have we have our of course, we have our player development guy and Eversley just go, oh, you're 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 your guy. You're your one guy in that department. And here's Mark Eversley interviewing for a job and i'm picturing him thinking about the people that he's going to fire when he gets the job and thinking to himself can i fire somebody right now for what's going on in this organization as it as it exists right now so i love the the careful way that he crafted that comment you know very innocuously i was surprised to hear that you know i don't know what's going on here so um, obviously, that that is something that you know. When Eversley, once he gets comfortable, and he will kick down the door and begin to build something from within, so that there is real scouting going on and real, real player development. So that I, and I, of course, I liked hearing "Make the Bulls Cool Again." Players first. Relevancy is an awesome word to use as it pertains to the Bulls. So yeah, there was there was nothing he said that wasn't impressive. What stood out to you though, Stevie Sun? Well, the, I, the certainly the part about he exposed how far behind the Bulls were when you talk about the one player development, the point you made. They're so they're Jurassic. They're prehistoric that way. And when you are that prehistoric, it's one or two things. It's you are cheap or you're afraid of too many voices um, who might be smarter than you. There there are we, we see examples of this on a daily basis of people who are afraid of others with knowledge or a better idea. So this appears to be the Bulls changing that. And you're, the, the idea of a team of rivals that became such a, such a popular thought when the movie Lincoln came out because that's what he wanted. Nobody afraid to voice their opinion. Nobody afraid of anybody else who might be too smart because to steal a phrase, we're all in this together. The idea would, with the Bulls winning. I certainly like that approach. Anything you can get. If, if you can double that player personnel department, God, God bless you. <laughs> All you need but is also, one. Yeah. 
he also said this, everything starts and ends with winning. Our mindset will be about excellence day in and day out. Bulls fans, hear me when I say our ultimate goal is to bring a championship back to the city of Chicago. And that leads us to the last dance. We've all watched this. It's been riveting. It's been compelling. You're watching it for what you you know you're going to get. You're watching it for what you don't know you're going to get. You are reliving moments you forgot about. And, and what jumped out at me already as the Bulls go about trying to reconstruct anything that smacks of a competent personnel department and a threat to win a championship is they are still screwed in several different ways. Chairman Reinsdorf is still there. Early on in the last dance, we saw... We, we, we saw him admit to interviewing Tim Floyd after they won the first the fourth title. They won their fourth title, and Jerry Krause wants to break it up, and Jerry Reinsdorf is listening to him. They're talking about breaking up a winner, like they just happen all the time in Chicago. And the second part of this, as you watch this, that they they, they could they gleefully or or with such with such finality, Jerry Krause was quick to say, this is it, he's not coaching us ever again. That when Michael Jordan wasn't going to play for them again, Michael Jordan did not end up with a piece of the team. So you're talking about two things. You're talking about a guy who wanted to break up a winner, who's still there, who still has the ultimate word. He's still the chairman. Whatever Michael Reinsdorf's doing, he still has to defer to dad. And dad was the guy on film saying... Yeah, we met with Tim Floyd after four championships to see if we could break this up, and we didn't want to become the Celtics. Well, you became a laughingstock is what you became. He's still there. The guys in charge are still there, and Michael Jordan still doesn't have a part of the team. So you're watching this, and in some ways this plays out as a comparison of who's better, Michael or LeBron. Modern-day players, kids born after Michael Jordan stopped playing and after he stopped being Michael Jordan are watching this and saying, well, LeBron's the greatest. Look at what he's done. Look at all those playoffs. Look, now they're watching Michael going, oh, my God, he was great. He was the best. He's the GOAT. I now know why they say that. And, and as physical as it was, now I know why they say that. And what he did for that franchise, and he didn't get a piece of the team, I'm not Michael Jordan, some players saying, even if you're Giannis, he's going to be a free agent in 2021. And he would look at the Bulls who would come after him and he would say, wait, really? Where's my future? They, didn't, they wouldn't give Michael a piece of the team? What would they do for me? Where's my future in this? I think the last dance is screwing the Bulls for a good long time. However, it's, it is then great timing that the Bulls have announced their new general manager. And I believe all of the Arturis Karnaschova stuff was pre-Last Dance, but it's all going on right now simultaneously with the Bulls. So if there are players, current players, who are watching this and going, my God, what a messed up organization, at least they know now that not only is there change going on with the Bulls, 
it's drastic change because the Bulls have made their fair share of changes through the years, generally with the coaching staff. That's that's really about it. They have tinkered with that. Obviously, as any team does, it tinkers with players and draft picks and things like that. But they can now know that that guys have been taken out of their jobs. And it would appear that really connected Credible guys in Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley. I love that Mark Eversley is attached to Nike and holds on to relationships there and boasts the fact that he knows lots of guys and agents and players and relationships and things like that because we all know that goes a long way in today's NBA. So I think that it's really important that this is happening during this and because the part of the pride and making the Bulls cool again, I do think that there is a part of that when you watch this. Also a reminder to the players who didn't watch a drop of Jordan except for the highlights that they watched that being in Chicago and the Bulls were a were was the top of posh, man. It was the it was the top organization in terms of style, flash everything in terms of national television games it was at worldwide brand it was everything and then we've just seen this decrescendo since the 98 season and there there's been volatile periods where it spikes up and then it goes back down and there's Derrick Rose and there's the the Ben Gordon Lou Aldang Scott Skiles era little spike there and then now it has bottomed out again and I think that these two guys Karnaschovas and Eversley and maybe even what's going on right now could come together for a decent storm of credibility and respect back to the organization. I will. I, I remain hopeful with you because it's better when the teams. It's better around here when the teams win and the score carries the Bulls games. And I'm. I'm. Chuck Swirsky is an amazing broadcaster. The way he can make even bad sound good. He just. He always. It never seems to be a bad day when Chuck Swirsky's around. I would like to hear him call a team that that is going to be in the finals and do that. I would like to see them succeed. I just see them so far behind. It will be a miraculous thing if the, these guys, the Bulls clearly will have chosen wisely if Arturis Karnaschovas and his decision on Mark Eversley and then their decision to get rid of Jim Boylan once they meet him in person and he Jim Boylan makes them punch a time clock, then they're all done. Do you think Nike guys punch a time clock, Mark? You think Jim Boylan's <laughs> going to get away with, I just, that's what everybody's waiting for. And I understand Mark Eversley is doing that. that that's the right way to do it. I want to sit down with everybody. We're going to go face to face. And, and before he gets to the second phase, he'll probably fire Jim Boylan. Cause you can't, if you do this, the whole thing's, it's going to collapse. There's just no reason to, to go on. There's no reason to have hope, but I will agree with you. I, I think that there is hope you that because it's not what we had before, what we saw before for almost two decades. The spikes were near misses, but when it was bad, it was the Washington Generals. It was just, and, and the hope would be that it would, while progress and success isn't linear, at least you want to see a, the top of the, the roller coaster. You want to get to that top at, as in it with as few problems as possible. They sound capable of doing that, but it's, you know, it's all talk and it's all funny games until someone gets an eye put out, and then it's hysterical, right? Well, well, when it starts to get real, obviously you have to deal with the coach and the, the either confirming that he's back or the firing of Jim Boylan. Where it really actually starts to get interesting is when he looks at the roster and says, 
Okay, because you feel like uh, Ivy Lakes, there's going to be at least one large move as far as the players are concerned, whether it's Zach Levine or Markinen or Kobe White or Wendell Carter, or Otto Park Porter. One of those guys is probably going to go. And then you wonder, too, are there guys on this roster who haven't developed and who we all think are just duds that maybe they look at and say, no, they're actually really good, and this is why, and here's what needs to be done to make Chandler Hutchison stay healthy and be better, or Thomas Sadoransky to be the free agent that they thought they signed, or maybe they have a love affair with with Daniel Gafford, or the the veteran leadership of a Thad Young who we know was incredibly unhappy throughout most of this season for the Bulls. I can't wait until we get to the point where he starts meddling with the players and and obviously with the coaches too, because that's going to be that's going to be the intriguing part. Well, you have two guys who come from have really good pedigree. You have guys have a wide range of pedigree that believe in, in player relations and are certainly not as as staid as back off as these are these are people with credibility in, in the organiz in the league in and in and like you mentioned Nike with Mark Eversley in a, in an important part of where players really matter. And I think that's terrific and positive. But you either sign a, a superstar or you trade for one the way Toronto did and just take your one and done, or you draft one. And the Bulls came close with Derrick Rose. They drafted an MVP against all odds. They, they still are in appealing to great free agents. I have to see this new administration actually sign one because I don't think, I think the reputation of the organization will resound now as people watch the last dance. And I think that's a really tough cover. I just think that's a hard thing to get over. And I, it reminds me the whole Rodman stuff last, the way they had him under control, two things that weren't covered in that. And maybe you knew about them. Maybe you weren't, you weren't, but I expected them. Phil Jackson had a plan that involved Michael and Scotty racing to pin down Dennis Rodman if he ever was going to go nuts on the court. They had an emergency plan. They had a nuclear plan. Is this they, like when were, uh, John Lester has a guy on first base? Is it the same similar scenario where you have to well, have a plan? It's, it's, yes, there, there is a plan. And it, they practiced it, and they practiced making sure that Michael and Scotty, that everybody knew they had to protect Dennis from themselves. And that's what the plan was. And do you remember way back? I'm surprised they didn't show this because they were talking about all the, all the mania, everything that Dennis Rodman brought. And it was terrific because it was so compelling, even though it seemed so, so different and unbelievable at the time. Remember that when that warehouse was owned by Bigsby and Crothers, the warehouse about North Avenue on the Kennedy was owned by Bigsby and Crothers. And they would frequently put... Um, they, they would redo that billboard and they put Dennis Rodman on it and they changed, they put the, the, the top of his head, top of his forehead went right to the top of the building and they would change the top of the building to different color hair an actual mixed media. And they would have different color hair, depending what they saw Dennis doing last with his hair and people stopped on the Kennedy and got out of their cars and took pictures and we made national news. We looked like Hooterville. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that, but I did. It was like, oh my God, we are, we are podunk USA. 
And, and those are the two things that I surprised they left out of that when they focused so hard on Rodman. What were your thoughts from the last dance last week? Yeah, I here's what I first of all the the Beastie Boys video that they did with Dennis Rodman was just incredible. Like they mm. they are picking music so well during the video montages and when he the very end of that Beastie Boys song I can't think of the Beastie Boys song off the top of my head but like it's perfect the way they arranged it the actual song and then the best part I don't know why I get goosebumps when he when he goes underneath the stands and into the tunnel and he's just coming and the music just kind of fades out it's like it's so perfect um one of the things that i've always said about dennis rodman at least just from watching him on television and hearing him be interviewed dennis rodman wears things that are interesting he does things that are interesting but he rarely says anything interesting like dennis rodman is actually seems like a really boring guy but he's got like because he's an introverted fella um and but but he does all these things on the outside to express himself so I'm, I'm glad they covered all the wackiness but i'm also glad that they put some care into dennis rodman the basketball player as well and basically learning about dennis rodman and i'd heard little bits and pieces of this before that he may have been the smartest guy on the basketball floor with the bulls and that's a, that was a team of very high iq players we all know that i think i'm pointing out the obvious but rodman may have been the smartest because the guy what attended one or two practices a week he picked up that offense <laughs> extremely quickly he also studied trajectory of opposing teams shooters where the ball would come off of the rim and where he would need to angle himself to get rebounds so it wasn't just him going out there and just running like a madman which it looked like he was doing because he was always maximum effort type of guy um, but but there was a there was a studiousness to him that I'm glad that they they covered as, as opposed to all the peripheral stuff which which we kind of always knew and we understood about him. As far as Chicago being a podunk town, I mean at least Chicago was able to handle him. Whereas San, San Antonio was, I mean, because if we were a podunk town, I don't know what that made San Antonio. That which just they were just like, nope, we, we we'll take Will Purdue. Give us Will Purdue. Get this guy the hell out. Out of here go on go on go on get go on get yeah yeah there was a there's a john forbes nashness about rodman on the court that seemed to even you could still see the amazement in jordan talking about it that it just for whatever he saw thought of this guy whatever he experienced going against this guy he was amazed at what a you know he was the basketball's version of a beautiful mind that's that's who robin was on the court compared to what he was off it or elsewhere or sometimes on the court so uh that was that was a remarkable thing all right we got to take a break we uh welcome you to the tech zone 67011 the tech zone is brought to you by rosen hyundai of algonquin save time shop online at rosenhyundai.com Rosenblum and Grody at Saturday Suckage. I emphasize Saturday. You can reach us 312-644-6767. And uh, the rest of the show, the top of the hour, we'll start with Lawrence Holmes, one of our favorites, who shamed you into showing up onto the, on, on, on getting him on our show. And that will be a piece of what are you doing, Wagner? We have some classic stuff for you. This may be an all-timer. We have the War of the Cutlers. 
We have Steve Kerr doing improv with Second City. We have this, this, this may be an all time, what are you doing, Wagner? That's at noon with Lawrence Holmes. And then at one o'clock, JJ Stankovitz will be here. We'll talk some Bears. And when we come back, I want to get your thoughts on the Bears draft, Mark. You were there, you're working the show. They did it, they made some other moves afterwards. So let's talk that after this. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. I really like Gibson uh, turning his film on. He, he looks like he's going to be a really good addition to this defense that's going to look like that front seven is going to be hard to deal with. So uh, one of the Bears' biggest problems last year is that they didn't match their turnover differential uh, from 2018. It was probably the difference between them making the playoffs, if you ask me. So uh, this guy looks like he can cover tight ends in the slot. Uh, looks like he's willing to come in the box and make a tackle and uh, just a real good addition. That there's Olin Krutz. Get the serious interference here. That there's Olin Krutz on the score with little Danny Bernstein talking about one of the many new members of the, of the Bears. Mark Brody. I'm Danny Bernstein. I'm from Deerfield, Illinois. Yeah, yeah. There you go. (laughs) This is Saturday Suckage, and uh, we want to send out thanks to all the people delivering our mail. We know we have a lot of letter carriers listening to us, a lot of people delivering packages for the the FedExes and Amazons in the world, and thank you. Thank you for what you do. I think I saw my mail, my letter carrier the other day, and it was a chance to say in person, hey, thanks, appreciate what you're doing. So that goes out from us to you. Now, the Bears held their Zoom draft. They they went through the whole process Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So, Mark, what do you think? First of all, some breaking news on those Bears rookies that you just referred to. They all have numbers now. The numbers for those players have been released by the Chicago Bears. Yes, moments ago. And it goes a little something like this. Yes. (laughs) Breaking numbers news. (laughs) You know what? People love this stuff, man. People love this stuff. We have a news sounder, breaking news sounder for our show, for Suckage. So we'll start with Darnell Moody, fifth-round wide receiver out of Tulane. Darnell Mooney will wear for the Chicago Bears, number 11. All right, Jalen Johnson, the Bears' second second-round pick, number 50 overall. The Utah cornerback will wear number 33. 
Um, moving on. Peanut. I was going to say, That's, we, we yes. you're gonna have to spend a little time on that one because there's a lot of pressure that comes with that number. Peanut. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, if you say that. You guys and um, Adam, I don't know. I know you're a little younger. I don't know how well you know your history, but you, Steve, you will have to know why this next number is there's a whole lot of pressure. And you should know two studs, actually, being a good oh, Bears fan that you are. So, Kendall Vildor, the cornerback, fifth round pick for the Bears, will wear number 46. Anyone? I'm just waiting for guys. studs to know. Oh, what, yeah, what, you want me to like, say the guy that, the reason guys. that that's significant? I know why it's significant. Of course I do. It's the 46 defense. Why is it significant? Why would number 46 be significant? It's Gary Fensick's okay, number. Well, tell, tell me. Uh, no, wait, hold on, hold on. All right, guys. You know, we're well, 46 to is the defense, and the defense was named after the guy that wore no. the number. Mm-hmm. And that, not, that number has and, a name. Yeah, I'm blanking on the guy's name. This is horrible. Well, it, it, was not it wasn't fencing. It rhymes with blank. Oh, Doug Plank. There you Johnny go. Johnny Olson, tell him what he's won. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you Sorry won. about that. Oh, Fensick, was, Fensick was the guy after Plank. Fensick was 45. Yes. And uh, he, he played. I do, I'm sure they played together. Fensick uh-huh. and uh, Doug Plank. They but hurt Plank, people. They broke bones. They, were, they, were, they could not play today. This would be this Plank would be was not on the football. 85 Bears, though. Yes. All right. That's Moving what I was getting here, at. Was Fensick was Plank on the 85 defense, if you know what I'm saying. Like, he played that role. Yeah, he was. And, and actually, and, and Fensick was a, a hard hitting white guy as well. So, I mean, it was, there, there was some similarity there. Um, all right. Let's move on here to one of their new offensive linemen. Tackle Arlington, at least in college, Arlington Hambright will wear the following number: seventy-one. Nothing really wow. jumps out on seventy-one to me. Israel Adonaje? Could be, could be. Not the same position or the same side of the ball, but you know, that's the first yeah. Bears guy that jumps out to me when I hear when I see seventy-one. Yeah, seventy-one there's does lineman, not. There's a lineman at a stimulate. cow. And I'm, I'm blanking on his name. There's a lineman at a cow. Um, and I can't think of his Troy. Why can't I think of his name? Um, he was Troy Apollo He played for Wani, and he was an example of why why the Wonderlick test scares some coaches because they don't want players to score who score too high on it because they don't want you to be able to think for yourself. They just want you to follow orders and they want you to just listen to them, but. There, this was a guy, I can't think of his name, Is it? he was an offensive lineman, he wore 71, and he would question things, and they don't want you to question things. So they make a big deal about the Guys. test. Yeah. We screwed up. It's James Big Cat Williams. Oh, yeah, 71. I just saw. I can't believe we did that. Sorry, Big Cat, if you're listening. Thank you, texters. All you, oh, t- wow. 847-815-63, all you guys texting in. You guys are all smarter than us. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, was it... Tr- uh, uh, Troy Ozine, apparently, uh, yes, a 71. Yes. Troy Ozine. Was that who you were thinking of? That was the guy, okay. yes. Thank you to that a texter on that, too. Yes, thank you very Appreciate much. I knew, it, I knew it, and he went to, he was a smart guy, and he was too smart, and they didn't want him to be smart at all. And so, you know, they, they talked about the whole Wonderlick test and go, well, I'm not sure. And there were coaches who would tell you, we don't want him too smart. And then they were talking about the Wonderlick test and say, well, I don't believe that 
Dan Marino was the valedictorian of his Wonderlic class and how'd he do playing against NFL defenses? <laughs> so the Wonderlic test is just, it is what you make of it, especially if you throw it away. All right, moving right along. All right, moving along. We've got three more to go here. All right, um, let's let's stay with that offensive line. The tackle Arlen, or excuse me, Lechavius Simmons is going to be. He is number seventy-three. And seventy-three. Zero. When I think of seventy-three, I hate to say this because I'm going way back to junior high me, and that would be Mike Hartenstein was a seventy-three. That's the best I can wow. do on seventy-three right that. now. Okay. Yeah. I don't think that's good that I, I have old memory, but I can't think of a current 73. It hasn't been a very prolific number as far as I can think with any recent Bears. You got anything, Studs? I can't think of anyone, no. Was that Jamarcus okay. Webb? Did Jamarcus Webb wear 73? That mm, might have been you might actually. be right. Jamarcus Webb, there you go. Because Pretty good, Steve. Right. There's a tease for, for our Jay Cutler piece that the guy just... Everything Jay Cutler does plays out on the national stage, and he did that in Green Bay, right? That was the guy he shoved um, on the sideline, Jamarcus Webb, right? Yeah, that was it during a Packers game, I think. Yes, yes, right. Yeah. And then and afterwards, everything was cool, everything was fine, nothing to see here, nothing to right, see. Right, move along. All right, we got so two more to go con- here. Continuing the Bears history of, of grafting starting tackles in the seventh round congratulations this that's all this is this is them. one of the great this is one of the great covid19 topics ever right now what's happening right now in the score um all right, all right. last two all right Th- this one is going to be controversial this is the defensive end or do you say outside linebacker for the bears the fifth round pick out of tulsa trevis gipson with a p as in paul will be uh-oh 99 and there's only 199 that should come to everybody's mind. I can't believe they gave away Wayne Gretzky's number. I cannot believe they did. <laughs> again took it down from the rafter. Yeah, it's this really it's an awful thing. I, I it shouldn't happen. And if it were up to the Bears, it wouldn't happen. But they're out. They've reached the limit of <laughs> retired numbers. And Dan Hampton is gonna watch this guy wear his number. It's just. That's a bad that puts thing. a little bit of pressure on Travis Gibson. Especially as a so, guy that is going to be on the line. I mean, oh, lots of pressure there. Yeah. Well, may may want to just let him, may want to give him a red shirt year now that I think about it. Maybe if just I let, were, him, let him think about. If, if I was a Bears player, there's a certain, there's certain numbers that I just wouldn't ever go near. 54, 99 are both not retired and apparently aren't going to be, but I wouldn't go anywhere near those numbers. This is too much pressure. Well, when you get to 90 man rosters, you're going to need to give people. Yeah. Numbers. I think 54 is going to, you can't give them like 133. <laughs> yes, have, I think... They will get to that point. They should, but you can't give them number 133, but number one in your hearts. <laughs> 54 is going to need about another five-year break. I mean, they're going to have to bring it back and put it in rotation. But, yeah, you got to stay away from, like, the most popular bear of the modern era. you got to stay away. Because I, I, I'm thinking, like, 54s competed with 34s for a while out there, I think. And, it, you know, just in terms of pure numbers and the accessibility to jerseys, 54 might be the most popular with the fans. But we've got one more, um, and that is the Bears – 
Tight end out of Notre Dame. He is Cole Komet. Cole Komet, kids, will be wearing number 85. Godzuki. That was Godzuki's number. Who? Godzuki. Godzuki. That's what Joe Kane named Keith Jennings. Keith Jennings was Keith Godzuki. Jennings. Big head. Wasn't he big head. Wasn't Emery Moorhead? Was yes. Emery Moorhead uh, an 85? Yes, yeah. Emery Moorhead, number 85 on the 85 Bears. Mm-hmm. Boom. We, hey, how we, old you are you, studs? One. We're talking 46 defense, and I, you forgot one. I'm 30. Mark. 30. I, I got you. That's impressive, man. I, I appreciate the fact that you know your history a little bit. Stevie, what were you going to say, buddy? That you, We're talking 46 defense, and you forgot number 46, one of the new numbers handed out. I didn't forget it. I said it was Vildor. It was Doug Plank. We did the whole 46 defense oh, we thing. did that. Remember? Oh, my God. I can't even remember back to Jesus. that. Jesus. Because that's not... You're right. I did. Hey, you and remember I, five minutes ago when we did that? No, I don't. Because <laughs> I, it was, was really... I thought ago. he was a guy from Hogwarts. <laughs> he was a villain from from the Harry Potter. Oh, my God. I'm really... Can we get a wellness check on Stevie Sunshine, please? Thank yeah, you. You know, it's, um, it's funny you should you mention... You and my daughter talk, right? Funny, funny you should mention... All right, Harry you know Potter. what? Hold on a second. I just I made an error, too. Now I got to eat it. Because the texture is right for 773, and another texture, and another texture. Emery Moorhead was 87. Dennis McKinnon was 85. My bad. My bad. Oh, all you right. guys are all right. You, you know, those all 80 right. numbers yep. all blur together. It's yep. fine. It was like 35 years ago. Yeah, so we I see Dan McNeese texting us today. Oh, my God. Don't. Don't. He's got referee numbers. It's going to get worse for you. So, <laughs> so Cole Komet, these are, the, these are some numbers he's shooting for. These are Greg Olson's numbers as a rookie. 39 receptions, 391 yards, and two touchdowns. That's, that's a good rookie season. I believe. And he would, he had Brian Greasy, Rex Grossman, and Kyle Orton throwing to him. Okay. Now compare those numbers as a rookie to this. 38 receptions, 447 yards, and three TDs. You know whose numbers those are? Those are the $9 million man, Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham mm. had good rookie numbers with A.A. Ron Rogers throwing to him. I think Jimmy Graham is going to become tight end for Mike Glennon. This is the kind of thing Ryan Pace is doing. This is, this is a scary thing. There's so much more to learn on. You really want to push the learning curve. Tight ends have so much between the blocking, receiving, inline, Whatever, the, the Y, the U, there's so much more going on with that. You really want to speed that up. But Greg Olson seems like good marks. It's a, Greg Olson seems like good rookie marks, and those, that's basically what Jimmy Graham had, and the Bears paid $9 million for that. I don't understand. All right, we'll talk more draft. we got to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk more draft. Steve Rosenblum. Mark Grody, Saturday Suckage. It's Saturday. We're saying Saturday, emphasizing the Saturday part of Saturday Suckage here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome in. Welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody with you. Saturday Suckage. Top of the hour, we will talk with Lawrence Holmes. Scores host here Monday through Friday from noon till 2 right here on these airwaves. He's 
does a terrific job, and we're going to bring him on. We'll talk some bulls and bears. And what are you doing, Wagner? We'll see what he's been doing when he hasn't been dominating all the platforms. So they say you can look back on a draft after three years and evaluate it. So let's evaluate Ryan Bates and trading up for the worst of the three first-round quarterbacks in 2017. He took Mr. Trubisky. This is from Joe, my wine guy at Trader Joe's. Joe has a lot of time to think about how miserable his life is, and so he started going down the 2017 draft. Pace missed Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. He took Adam Shaheen from a Division 14 school in the second round when Juju Schuster-Smith was on the board. And his third-round pick was traded to somebody else and became Alvin Kamara, and the Bears can't score. So... Well, we may need three years to evaluate this draft, and this draft may last longer than Ryan Pace himself. Mark, is it fair to say Ryan Pace drafted like it was winter walk? He drafted for best need available as opposed to best position available? How do you view it in the macro of that lens? Yeah, I mean, the two second-round picks for sure. I mean, that's that's need for you, man. I mean, I will say that it's need, and one of the things that he did tell us leading up to the week of the draft that turned out to be true is that he did discuss that needing and wanting high football IQ guys. I mean, these two guys, Cole Komet and Jalen Johnson, are both high football IQ, both book smart as well. So that with the lack or a modified offseason program, however it pans out, you got to have that. you got to have guys that are going to be able to virtually understand what is going on in that regard. When they drafted Cole Komet, my first reaction was surprise. I don't know if I liked it like right off the bat, but it's a pick that you could easily talk yourself into being a very good one after it all calms down and you realize that, yeah, he probably is the best tight end in football. Yeah, you absolutely 100% need an inline tight end. And yes, it does appear that Cole Komet is one who can blossom in years to come. You know, he hasn't, he just hasn't had a lot of experience really like and and there's going to be a learning curve and I don't know if he's a plug-and-play player or not there's a lot of conflicting views from scouts and from experts on whether or not Cole Komet is a guy who on day one of game one steps in as your inline tight end and makes an impact I don't know if that'll be the case he's gonna have to pick things up quickly which they are depending on him to do um, so that it's gonna be interesting to watch that development Jalen Johnson, I think, automatically becomes the second-best cornerback on your team, other side of Kyle Fuller. I don't think there's any question about that. I like what the Bears did in the offseason. I like Trey Roberson. I like that story. I like the Artie Burns potential reclamation project in him. Um, you know, Kevin Tolliver, Duke Shelley, who's more of a slot guy. But I think automatically, I do think that Johnson becomes a plug-and-play player. So, yeah, the, these those two top guys were needs and hopefully will be contributors. The rest of uh, the rest of the, these guys, you know, Gibson and Vildor and Mooney and and the two tackles at the end or the two offensive linemen at the end, they're all big question marks, none of whom I think will actually make an impact on this year's team. Really, even though Ryan Pace has managed to do far better l- later in the draft than he does earlier. 
I mean, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, I just look at these guys and where they played and what their experience was and what the college scouts say about, so, like, take Gibson, for example. He's got the size 6'4", but everybody says that he is a project kind of guy who is going to need a lot of work at the NFL level. You know, Kendall Vildor, I think the reason that Kendall Vildor won't get playing time right away is because I, I really do think that Duke Shelley, one of the last year's later on draft picks, fits that role, and I think they're going to want to mold him into more of a backup slot behind Buster Screen. Um, the Mooney thing is interesting. The Darnell Mooney, and I always say that because of the speed factor that exists with Mooney. He is different from any of the other receivers that you have on that squad, but we've just seen the slow progression of receivers in this offense. You know, Javon Wims has had nice moments, but it's been a slow progression, and he was a seventh-round pick. Riley Ridley got a tiny taste last year, but it wasn't a great taste for him. So, And then they do bring in Ted Ginn Jr., who you could make an argument that he is supposed to be the Darnell Mooney now, the speed guy, the change-of-pace guy, the the fly-pattern guy. So I, I just it, it just feels like... When you go into a season, as the Bears are, where the where playoff window is still open because of your defense, you don't want to screw around with projects on the on the offensive side of the ball. So we'll see with Mooney. And then, you know, Steve, I mean, this two seventh-round picks and, and with those offensive linemen, Arlington Hambright and Lachavia Simmons, those are coin flips with those guys. We'll see. Yeah, they end up becoming starting tackles, we've seen. <laughs> That's how a lot of this works. Well, I mean, and, and Charles Leno Jr. is a really good story, and he has been, for the most part, I mean, he had a lot of, he had a rough year last year. But, that man, when you could get a seventh-round pick to be your starting left tackle for, what, seven years or so now, that's pretty good. And, but, but don't count on it happening again. Uh, here's something you can count on. After a hit-and-run with Matt Spiegel tomorrow, Uh, from 9 to noon. At noon, we will present another Bears replay, and we were talking about Peanut earlier. This game goes back to November 13, 2011. Bears 37, Lions 13. The Bears pick off Matthew Stafford four times. Peanut Tillman and, are you sitting down, Major Wright with pick sixes. That's the game tomorrow starting at noon on the score. I'm a little bit disappointed. Now, now this is going to be a great, entertaining game, but I'm I'm still, this just just brings up bad memories from when, you know, I was in on the planning committee for these games. I was allowed to make my suggestions, and (laughs) And one of my suggestions that, you know, well, at least one of them was summarily rejected, and that was the, the Mike Brown two interception game. So when I hear two interceptions, I want to hear about Mike Brown in his back-to-back weeks in which he had the walk-off touchdowns against San Francisco and Cleveland, and I got nothing but crickets out of that one. So I don't know. I'm, I'm still a little bit sore at the, from, from the rest of, of the planning committee at the score for not allowing that interception game to make it. However, the Detroit game is damn entertaining. Brody, you would have had my full support on either one of the Mike Brown games. I think especially oh the Browns game where they had to score twice with like a minute left and then win in overtime. Like, yeah, that should have been in there. Oh, absolutely. And you have the San Francisco game is funny because after you have Terrell Owens saying that Steve Mariucci let the bears back in because he was buddies with Dick Duran. So it, it, it kind of created a, a, a minor like Dennis green, like storm, like the bears actually created chaos from within another organization as they did with Arizona. Uh, that's the super bowl year. 
I'm with you on the Mike Brown. I'm I, but it's a Chicago election. They're all rigged, so I don't know what you yes, can do about clearly, it at this point. Clearly, <laughs> all right, take a break. We will discuss Bears football and Bulls basketball and uh, the moves and things that those teams have done, and we'll find out what are you doing, Wagner. We'll find out what Lawrence Holmes has been doing. You hear him from noon to two on the score Monday through Friday. You're going to hear him on Saturday suckage. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Rohde, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.